A toddler slips through the fence, and the Secret Service shuts down the White House. When, seriously, did the leader of the free world begin to fear three-year-olds? More to the point, is this going to become a trend? Well, Mark Twain did say that diapers and politicians should be changed frequently and for the same reasons, so I'm guessing there's a point of commonality with the Oval Office. We're TNN, the Truth News Network. And unlike others, you can believe what comes from our leader, Dan Newman. (laughs) That's a funny story. That kid just gets through the fence and they shut down the White House. Oh, my God. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to TNN Live. You know, we are experiencing together the last day. The last day of the month. Can you believe fall is close here? Oh my God. We have a huge show today. You're going to hear from a multitude of people talking about things that heretofore have been kept from us. Oh no, they wouldn't do that, would they, Dan? Oh yeah, they did. But never fear. We found them. We found them all. Going to be a fun day. And so just relax a little bit. This may be the last of that you get in a while.
working, are you? Trying to find the answers, get the real stuff? My gosh, that's a full-time gig, isn't it? Well, that's what we do here, and you participate with us voluntarily, and we're thankful that you do. And let's begin the day by talking about something nobody enjoys talking about, especially those up in D.C. that call themselves Democrats, and that is our economy. The growth of our economy in the nation in the second quarter was revised lower very quietly yesterday. Joe Biden does that, so I can do it too. Yeah, they uh, they revised it down as weaker business spending more than offsets stronger consumer spending. Now, let me tell you, I'm not an economist. I'm just like you. I'm a consumer and I watch what I make, what comes in the front door, and I watch very closely what goes out the back door, and more is going out the back door than's coming in the front door of my house. And guess what? It's happening that way for everybody across the nation. So even after they revised that uh, GDP downward, The economy is still growing faster than what many economists consider its long-run potential. Folks over at the Federal Reserve have said that they think the economy needs to grow by less than potential. Less than potential. Which they estimate at 1.8% per year for inflation to fall to the central bank's 2% target. Now, what the heck does all of this talk mean? You want me to spell it out to you? Yeah, our GDP grew a little bit. That's our gross domestic product. But guess what else grew faster than our GDP? Your spending and my spending. Well, we just need to quit doing all that frivolous spending, Dan, don't we? Well, it's not frivolous, folks, when you talk about putting gas in your gas tank or maybe charging up your electric car on the side of the road somewhere along I-20 between here and L.A. I think between Shreveport, Louisiana and Los Angeles, there's probably four or five Tesla charging stations between here and Los Angeles. you got to have a long extension card. You know, kind of like when you're flying a jet, an electric jet. has got to be real long to stay plugged in while you're in the air. Sounds stupid, doesn't it? Well, it is plain stupid. Nothing, nothing that this administration is championing. I don't care what it is. Think about what has come during this administration that has caused you more than once to shake your head and just say, I cannot believe this is happening. We get to choose Our gender now? (laughs) When? When was that even ever discussed, let alone thought that it could be done? And we're trying, and it's okay for us to try to change kids from boys to girls, from girls to boys, and then they want to make it an unlimited number of times a kid can go there. Well, I was a girl last month. I think I want to be a boy this month. It sounds stupid, doesn't it? You know why? Because it's freaking stupid. That's what it is. 
Don't you think we have enough real stuff going on to take care of our attention and keep us busy getting life better for those we love than to worry about what other people think about us? Dad gummit, it's tough enough for me to live my life and get everything pulled together. Why the heck do I have to pull in the circumstances of everybody around me and let those weigh into my considerations and my decisions that I make? We have a feckless group of people in the Potomac River Valley. I'm talking about Washington, D.C. I'm talking about our government. Just when you think they can't get stupider, if that's a word, and it's really not, they prove you wrong. They do. I mean, automatically. They prove you're wrong. The leader of the free world, the number one guy on the planet, no, it's not Xi Jinping. Maybe, but nobody's admitting it yet. But the leader of the free world is full of wisdom and righteousness and facts. And he's got it all together. Of course, I'm talking about Joe Biden. I was a Democratic caucus. You ever been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a lion dog face pony soldier. You said you were, but you're, you're, now you got to be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. We choose unity over division. We choose science over fiction. We choose truth over facts. <laughs> I do like that he chooses truth over facts. That's pretty. That's pretty solid. Lying dog face pony soldier. I, apparently, that that is from some unnamed western, or he heard a man in the old west say it to him when he was but a child in Scranton, Pennsylvania, watching gay men make out on street corners. That's another one of his favorite stories. One where he says that his dad said, "Joey, see those two men making out like it's New Year's Eve in Fire Island, a street corner, 1950 Scranton, Pennsylvania. That's just what love looks like, Joey." <laughs> Can you believe that little potpourri you just heard is from the President of the United States? And this is a guy I've actually seen video that nobody tried to edit or stop it from happening. Him walking across the lawn, either getting on Marine One or getting off of Marine One with his Depends, his disposable underwear sticking out below his shirt tail. In the back. This is the most powerful man on the planet. And just look at what he's doing. Look at what he's doing. He's destroying the lives of everyday Americans. Do you know that we now live in an environment when the economic class in the United States, the big one, you know, the one that everybody's supposed to be going after to take care of, and move more Americans into that middle class, that's supposed to be the big one. Do you know that the number, the percentages of Americans that are classified as part of the middle class has dropped and dropped dramatically? Less than half the nation is now in middle class or above. Now, what did you do for that to happen to you? Did you do something bad? No, you didn't do anything bad. You're just trying to tread water until 
this lion dog face pony soldier gets out of office and we can replace him with a real business president. We need somebody that understands balance sheets and credits and debits and understands how to make money and put it to use in the nation and to quit pontificating about everything and everybody with who you disagree. Quit arguing about stupid stuff and do important things. But here's our brain surgeon that lives at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. I was a Democratic caucus. You ever been to a caucus? No, you haven't. You're a lion dog face pony soldier. You said you were, but you're, you're... You're just a lion dog face pony soldier. He calls you names, and that means he's a good guy. Oh, by the way, he loves to tell the story about when he was a lifeguard growing up. His hair on his legs when he was sitting up on that lifeguard stand. When I saw him and heard him tell this story at a public swimming pool with all these kids around him looking up at him, and he actually, he said this and bragged about it when he was a lifeguard. During the summer, the hair on his legs would bleach out, and he had blonde hair on his legs, and the kids would come over to the lifeguard stand, and they'd want to rub the hair on his legs. That's the president of the United States, folks. That's the guy that we pray for every day because we want him to land the great ship America when it gets to where it's supposed to go, but we want him to get off when he gets there. We don't want him flying the next leg, do we? No, we really don't. Because he's leading us into some great places like, you know, this this huge expansion he promised we're on my watch going to bring all of our manufacturing back home from asia oh yes we're going to take it away from communist china xi jinping holds nothing on me and so joe started going and meeting with these governors in these states that they were welcoming these new big manufacturing facilities you remember that big one up in michigan that battery plant Oh my gosh, it was going to revolutionize it. We were going to be able to quit making our batteries in China and letting them make them over there and we just buy them and ship them over here. We're going to quit that. So we created, Governor Gretchen Whitmer up in Michigan, she created a great opportunity for this company, this American company, to build a big battery plant there. Well, guess what? The Chinese parent company of Goshen Incorporated, which is going to build two electric battery plants in Michigan, Goshen Incorporated parent company, which, by the way, is a Chinese company, employs 923 Chinese Communist Party members including the CEO of the company. The company's based in Goshen, California. I'm sorry, Fremont, California. Goshen is the name of the company. It is wholly owned and controlled 
by Goshen High Tech Power Energy Company. That's according to a Foreign Agents Registration Act. That's a FARA Act filing, and it seeks to invest $2.4 billion to construct two 550,000-square-foot production plants for electric vehicle batteries in Big Rapids, Michigan, thanks to Michigan Democrat Governor Gretchen Whitmer. So, it's still a manufacturing plant of the Chinese, and they're still going to be making them, and they'll have 920-plus registered communist Chinese agents working at the plant in Michigan and the other plant, two of them in Michigan. What great leadership on the part of our president to be able to pull that off. I just don't see how he could do it. I mean, he's a caucus. He didn't say he went to a caucus or were part of a caucus. He said, I'm a caucus. (laughs) Surely he didn't say that, Dan. I'm a caucus. Well, I was a Democratic caucus. I was a Democratic caucus. What the heck is a a Democratic caucus? Is there such a thing as a uh, a non-democratic caucus? This is the president of the United States. Oh my gosh. Well, lots of news about Joe and Hunter and the Biden family syndicate. And it's just not very good. Neither is the news and the information about Uncle Joe's economy. He's out there. When he does actually go do some work, which doesn't happen very often now, you know that he actually has been heard telling people he's working so hard, he's tired, and that's why he's taking so many vacations. In fact, he he goes on vacation every week. I don't know of a single week where he's worked from front to back in the last six months, and I don't keep up with it, but he's gone all the time. But he always comes back around to lay claim on Bidenomics. You know that thing that we're talking about at the top of the show here? Our GDP has kind of trickled up just a little bit, but our spending has gone through the roof. He's touting his Bidenomics. Well, I look at it, and Bidenomics is just another way of saying restoring the American dream. I believe every American willing to work hard should be able to get a job, no matter where they live, raise their kids on a good paycheck, take care of their health care for their families. Time for the morning buzz. That was President Biden this week, once again, touting Bidenomics, painting his tax and spend policies as restoring the American dream. Meanwhile, prices are up on nearly everything, including gasoline and home prices, while real wages have declined since Biden took office. Adam, we've talked a lot about Bidenomics. Oh, we have. (laughs) Yep. I, I keep getting asked, what is Bidenomics? And Maria, I think I finally figured it out. Restrict and regulate. Banks, businesses, oil, and mining. Then offset higher costs with handouts and subsidies paid for with money we don't have and financed by debt we can't afford. We can't afford what we have. Let me give you my definition of Bidenomics. It was the magic that changed the $1.69 a gallon for gasoline that I paid the day of the Joe Biden election. 
$1.69 in to $3.08. When I got, that's with a 20 cent discount from the same place, $3.08 instead of $1.69 at the same place. That's Bidenomics. And he brags about that. It's me going to the grocery store. Went to Kroger's and Brookshire's. Kroger's, you know of, it's a big national chain. Brookshire's is a Louisiana, Texas regional chain. And I paid $5.59 for a freaking loaf of 45-calorie bread. $5.59. And he's bragging about that. The man has no touch, absolutely no touch with reality. Man, this just gets worse and worse and worse. And then there's all the Hunter Biden stuff going on. We're going to get into a little bit of that. And uh, it's going to get heavy. We're about to start heading downhill in this show. But it's going to be exposing factual information. Now, that doesn't make it okay. It's still bad. But at least we understand a few things about our commander-in-chief, who isn't a commander of anything. He never accepts responsibility for anything negative that happens, and he claims responsibility, just like his former boss. When Barack Obama and Joe Biden took office, Bush 43 was who handed the reins over. Remember that? There were some good things that had happened under Bush 43. If we if we put everything in perspective and then look at what happened through the eight years of Obama and Biden, Bush was pretty good in comparison to them. But anything that happened good during the Obama administration, even if they had nothing to do with it, it was just carryover from Bush, Obama... And Biden, they took credit for everything. And, of course, anything bad that happened, even when it happened because of poor policies that they implemented, they blamed it all on Bush 43. Just like Joe today does on Trump. Trump is responsible for everything bad that happened. Everything bad that happened after Biden got here. It's Trump's fault that we're no longer energy independent. Joe Biden actually said that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. He's a Democrat caucus, isn't he? (laughs) So as you probably know, we just celebrated a bad anniversary, the second year of the horrible Afghanistan withdrawal. And several of those gold star families got together And they just went after the Biden administration military and political leaders that just made the most horrible decisions possible. Do you realize nobody's talking about this? Do you know that President Trump and his administration, they handed a detailed, agreed to by all parties involved withdrawal process when Trump left office 
And when I say agree to, everybody in it, the Afghan people, the bad people over there, everybody had agreed. This is the way the U.S. is going to draw away and what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. And it was agreed to. There was going to be no fighting. Those 12 great Marines that were slaughtered at the Abbey Gate by that suicide bomber, that wouldn't have happened. But Joe did what Joe does best. He gets in the middle of something and makes it abysmal just because he's Joe Biden. One of those gold star dads had had enough, and I'm going to apologize for him for the language, but here's a dad talking about something that's real and significant. His son did not have to die that day, but his son died because of Joe Biden. Not a single general slapped down their stars which should have happened two years ago when Biden ignored his reliable intelligence. Not a single person has been held accountable. Our so-called leader can't seem to even utter their names in public, not even once. Mr. Biden has run his entire political campaign for 50 years as the family man. Well, I've got news for you, sir. The curtain has been lifting, and that campaign slogan will never work again. We have seen what's going on in your family, And even worse, we've seen how you've been treating us as Gold Star families. And there couldn't be anything more disgusting and cowardly than the way you have treated us. You are a disgrace to this nation. You have no business having ultimate command over our military. And I regret not saying that to your face when I had the opportunity in Dover. I felt it more more important to bite my tongue. But I also had more important things on my mind at that time, like receiving my son's lifeless body stateside. While I stood there on the tarmac watching you check your watch over and over again, all I wanted to do was shout out, it's two fucking 30, asshole. But out of respect to the other grieving families, I bit my tongue once again. Well, as you could probably tell by now, I'm done biting my tongue. You, sir, stole their lives their futures, their dreams, and have ripped apart 13 families. You cannot even man up and admit that. You, sir, gave us all the title Gold Star Family. You, sir, discredit honor and integrity. Two years later, there are things I find myself thinking about. Where and what was Biden's logic sneaking out of Bagram in the middle of the night before ever getting a single Afghan partner or American civilian out? This is the purest definition of intentional negligence. This is just one of many irresponsible and negligent decisions coming from the White House. That gold star dad, his son, was blown to pieces by that suicide bomber's bomb at the Abbey Gate. Irony? I guess you could call it a bit ironic that the explosives that went into that suicide vest that that suicide bomber used to kill his son and 11 others, and then a host of civilians, Afghan civilians, that explosive came from a stash of American explosives that were at Bagram Air Base that Joe Biden just walked away and left 
billions of dollars of military hardware, all kinds of weaponry, and a bunch of explosives. And those explosives were used to make that vest that killed that man, killed that young man. You just heard his dad talking about. That's the number one leader on the planet that did that, that made that decision. And not a single person in the American military, not one, not a general, not a lieutenant colonel, not a major, not a one, has paid the price for all of that insanity that happened. When I grew up, the movies that would come on, the military movies, when I was young, you got to remember, I was born in 53. We were just less than a decade out of World War II. And as I became cognizant of things on television and my dad would watch military movies, he served in World War II. The way that the stories were pretty much all portrayed when a military leader made a decision that cost someone that was he was responsible for, cost them their life, that military guy, he was done. He was through. In other words, being held accountable for choices that you make. Not everybody is perfect. Not every choice is a good one. Not every choice is the right one. And sometimes... People made bad choices even when they have good intelligence that they use. They just make a bad choice. Sometimes it's an honest mistake. But in this case, folks, this was dereliction of duty. And all of this process, pulling out of Afghanistan, was commandeered by the same freaking people that under Obama and Biden put together and orchestrated and watched those people in Libya get slaughtered. General Lloyd Austin, who's now our Secretary of Defense, he was the one that actually made the fatal decision to not let those SEAL team members land and save our ambassador to Libya and three other Americans. He would not let them land. Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State. You remember in that hearing before Congress when they were talking about and drilling her about the decisions that were made and her famous, what difference does it make? The difference is people died because of poor choices, and bad decisions. And so far, nobody in the military has been held accountable. Just like nobody in the military was held accountable for those four that were slaughtered in Libya because of bad choices by military leaders and political leaders that are in this administration still. Don't you feel really safe? With Ford Pass, rewards are just a tap away. Whether it's using rewards points toward things like complimentary maintenance or for vehicle accessories. And with Ford Pass, a tap can also get you 24-7 roadside assistance. 
and lock your vehicle. Only Ford Pass puts all this in the palm of your hand. Ford Pass, built to keep you moving. So, Miss Harris, what makes you think you're a good fit with us here at Schmidt, Starks, and Soprensky? Oh, sir, there are so many reasons. I specialized in research and theoretical studies for several years at the Southampton Institute, mm-hmm. preceded by intensive graduate studies at Syracuse. <laughs> Certainly, my skills are well-suited for a position here at Schmidt, Starks, and Soprensky? Oh, thanks. A job interview and a root canal on the same day. Want to get away? Get the heck out of there with Southwest Airlines. Fly coast to coast for $99 or less by November 3rd. It was nice meeting you, sir. Yes, we'll get back to you soon. Soon. Southwest Airlines, a symbol of freedom. Call 1-800-IFLY-SWA. No way. Taco Bell's Toasted Cheddar Chalupa is back. Are you thinking what I'm thinking? They They toasted toasted six-month-old-age cheddar right onto the the shell of a chalupa. That's genius, no delicious, no both, and now comes in a box with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink? Whoa. Oh, sorry, this is is my stop. Oh, uh, cool. We're all thinking it. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa box is back. Only at Taco Bell. At limited participating U.S. locations for a limited time only. Contact local store for prices, hours, and participation, which vary. Tax extra drinks excludes freezes. You know, yesterday was the anniversary of the August 30th, 2021 horror show that happened in, at uh, the Kabul airport that day. You hear the president say anything about it? As far as I know, he's still out at Lake Tahoe. He's in um, his perpetual vacation mode. Well, guess what he did? He made a statement. He released a statement very quietly during the night. You want to hear what he said? It's not much. I'll give it to you. You can draw your own conclusions of what you think about what he said about what his decision led to. Thirteen people slaughtered. Here's President Biden. Today we pause to remember the selfless service of generations of brave women and men over the course of the conflict who time and time again sacrificed their own safety and security for that of their fellow Americans. That includes the 2,461 U.S. service members who made the ultimate sacrifice and 20,744 of their brother and sisters in arms who were wounded in action. These service members dared all, risked all, and gave all to our nation. We owe them and their families a debt that we can never fully repay. I got to be honest with you about this. If I was a parent of one of those 13 service members that got slaughtered because of a stupid decision that our now Secretary of Defense made, that our now president of the United States made and all of the other people that are part of our um, military leadership at the top made, I would be acceptant of one thing and one thing only. Every one of those people 
had to resign in disgrace and leave for what they did. Those 13 people did not need to die. Let me make it even more real for you. Do you know that we had at that time, that day, at the Kabul airport, we had a sniper that had that suicide bomber in his sights and asked for the go sign to take that sniper out, that suicide bomber, take that suicide vest-wearing bomber, take him out. And it came from the top of our military. Stand down. How does Joe Biden live with himself? All this happened on his watch. Every bit of it. I'm done talking about that. Let's move on. We have more important things to talk about. Of course, you know, we have all this Donald Trump stuff going on. A little bit later on, you're going to hear from Tucker Carlson, who yesterday made the most stark and alarming prediction regarding Donald Trump that I ever have heard anybody say, and I've never even thought about it. But before we get there, let me tell you about something that has happened in that whole mess and it is it is unbelievable what's going on. The investigators in this case, the investigators, the ones that are supposed to be, you know, all these indictments that include all these supposed broken laws that Donald Trump was guilty of, even though you got to remember. I want to remind you of this. In the United States of America, you get in trouble with the law, you're innocent until and unless they prove that you're guilty. Listen to what these jackasses are trying to do. Well, House Judiciary member Congressman Russell Fry joins me now. Congressman, I'm, I'm smiling because I. how do you get through 11 million documents? <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I mean, members of Congress, it used to be that you get thousands of pages dropped on your desk and have right. to vote in 24 hours. I mean, 11 million pages is just staggering. What he's talking about is <laughs> the prosecution of all these people that are in the gun sites of these prosecutors for Joe Biden and the Department of Justice. They dropped 11 million documents on the defense teams. And you know the dates that they have got these judges to set for these trials. 11 million documents. And I guess I need to remind you, we don't live in Soviet Russia. We don't live in communist China. We live in the United States of America where there's equal justice under the law, right? You know, and as a former lawyer, the preparation that has to go into that uh, is just insane, where every single page could uh, could be a, a, a great win for your client in the courtroom. Uh, the prep work on this is just 
you know, astronomical. But it sounds like what they're doing is just throwing the whole can of paint at the wall and seeing seeing what colors looks the best. I mean, it's it's it really is not supposed to be done. I'm, I'm just curious. I know that that the 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 judges inside the district are are more liberal and therefore more likely to be against Donald Trump. But but wouldn't the judge say, hey, this is this is ridiculous. You got to hone it down some. Well, I would hope so. I mean, just, you know, just in general on a on a routine criminal trial where you might have, you know, a scintilla of that, you know, you're looking at a year, year and a half at minimum uh, in a state court case. So I couldn't imagine from a federal perspective with this sheer amount of documents that the prosecution allegedly has, I couldn't imagine them them doing this in, you know, within the next year. I think it would be uh, unconscionable and I think it would be quite frankly reckless uh, for a, a defendant's uh, you know, right, uh, you know, to, 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 to look at the evidence and, and prepare for yeah. a trial for their defense. All right. Next one, Congressman Trump attorney Alina Haba is calling for special prosecutor Jack Smith to be investigated himself. Roll tape. There is very much a coordinated effort. And if you ever doubted it, think about how Fannie, when she was asked at her press conference if she was coordinating with Jack Smith in D.C. and the government, couldn't give us a yes or no. That says it all. But I can tell you that it's to tie him up. It's definitely political. Uh, the motivation is now under investigation by Jim Jordan for Fannie. And I believe Jack Smith should be investigated as well. Fannie Willis is, is of course, the local prosecutor is bringing the case down in Georgia. Uh, do you think there was any uh, unethical coordination between Jack Smith and, and Fonnie Willis? Well, it could be, and it remains to be seen. But what we've done in House Judiciary, uh, what I think we intend to do is the same thing we did with Alvin Bragg, is to look at the federal coordination, look at federal assets that were used, how were these used, and, and to what extent. You know, I think this is a legitimate question that the taxpayers have that kind of, at least from an oversight perspective, could help color you know, a, a policy change and something that we're going to do. But I think this invites a larger discussion, too, about these state prosecutions, in my mind, right. uh, which is why they shouldn't be happening at all. I have a bill just for that for that occasion where well, is presidents it, and former forgive me for interrupting but I want to get this in before we have to break is is it conceivable that that the Fonnie Willis indictment in Georgia will be uh, put into the mix of, of Jack Smith's indictment that is that they will be combined and and it will go totally to Jack Smith I don't know if they'll be combined. What I would like to see is is a move to the federal side, because quite frankly, I don't know that I trust the state courts and I don't trust the jury pool. I think pulling a jury in that jurisdiction is just a disaster for uh, you know, for the president. So removing that is is really key. And she's made some pretty reckless steps early mm. um, just in, in the way that she's conducted the case that I think this this really helps, in my mind, our argument for judicious oversight over her prosecution of Donald Trump. Congressman Fry, good to see you, sir. Thank you for being with us. Appreciate it. That's a few documents to go through if you're a member of the defense team. You know, not one million, not 10 million. 12 million documents. Is there some way that can be uh, uh, adjusted? Here's what I wonder about the power of the United States Supreme Court. At what point can people like uh, Donald Trump and his defense team or the defense team for these other co-litigants that are named with him in this whole thing. 
Could there be some kind of motion filed with the United States Supreme Court to just basically call out just what we just heard, 12 million documents that need to be gone through and marked as possible evidence for a real trial? There's no way that can be done before the 2024 election. It's impossible. And every day it becomes more and more obvious that those on the left are petrified of Donald Trump getting back in the White House. You know that's what the at the bottom of all this stuff. Absolutely, that's what's going on. So where do we stand on our investigation? Well, James Comer, he's the head of the Oversight Committee. Um, he's on top of all of this stuff, getting to the roots of the Biden family syndicate investigations. And there are three or four that are going on at the same time, running in parallel. Is something going to come out of this? That's a really fair question. If you're an American and you really question, are they really going to do something? Are they just going to push things around, you know, and act like and look like they're really doing something when all they're doing is biding their time? I do know this. Mike Johnson, friend to this show, a personal friend of mine has made it very clear to me. They are really in this to get to the bottom of all of this. Here's what Comer had to say about it late yesterday. Let's talk about these trips. Some 15, I think you've confirmed that Hunter Biden flies with daddy. I know Peter Schweitzer makes the case in Secret Empires uh, that two weeks after uh, Hunter flew with his father uh, to Asia and stopped in China. Uh, then the Bank of China, the $1 billion deal that became a $1.5 billion deal was struck. As far as we have been able to find, Hunter has no experience in that, just like he has no experience in energy. Do you believe that Hunter was enriching himself on these trips vis-a-vis -vis the, the, the free travel of his father? There's no question. Hunter Biden was enriching himself and his family uh, while riding on Air Force Two at the expense of the American taxpayer. But what's more concerning is what Joe Biden's role was in all of this. And again, Sean, this is an investigation of Joe Biden. And what we're doing now is we're putting a timeline together on all these bank uh, transfers that we've identified, all the bank wires. Uh, we're trying to now put a timeline with communications that Hunter had with his father, with his so-called associates. And uh, we're finding that now he was on Air Force Two a whole lot more than anyone thought. So Joe Biden's role in this family influence peddling scheme continues to grow on a daily basis. I mean, he was front and center in this. They can claim plausible deniability all they want, but I am here to tell you, Sean, Joe Biden was front and center. He met with every one of these people that he claimed he never met with and never spoke to, and we're putting together the timeline where Hunter Biden was traveling to many of these countries on Air Force Two while Joe Biden was vice president. And now we know from emails from Hunter's laptop that the, the person that was in charge of money, Rosemont Seneca, Eric Sherwin, uh, Hunter was asking, which account should I pay dad's home repair bills on? Hunter said he gives uh, half his income to Pops. Hunter complained bitterly about paying for those home repairs. Then we got, are you going to bring in Tony Bobolinsky and ask him about 10% for the big guy? Yeah. 
Yeah, I expect to see Tony Bobulinski in front of an oversight committee hearing very soon. I think he wants to tell his story, and I know the American people want to hear the story. So we're definitely going to hear from Bobulinski very soon. With respect to Sherwin, right. we've been trying to communicate with, with Sherwin. But uh, look, uh, Sherwin's going to have to answer for all of these transactions. And we're, where you referenced, Sean, where Hunter Biden was paying for things for Joe Biden, uh, in these accounts, these are the accounts we're now asking for, and these are the accounts we're probably going to head to court in the very near future to try to obtain. They have stonewalled your investigation the entire time. Uh, it took a long time for you to get the suspicious activity reports, the 1023 report. Yep. You had to threaten contempt of Congress for Director Ray before he finally handed him over. Yep. Uh, now the National Archives is claiming that Joe Biden, who is using aliases or pseudonyms, Robert Peters, Robin Ware, J.R.B. Ware, uh, and they're saying that you need to get permission from Joe Biden to get these pseudonym email accounts that are critical to your oversight investigation. Uh, and you're going to need Barack Obama's approval. That's never going to happen. That sounds to me like they're covering for Joe and they're trying to run out the clock so you can't finish your investigation. What what tools do you have at your disposal to expedite this? Well, I think uh, there's consensus in our conference now that we're going to have to go to impeachment inquiry. Obviously, that'll be Speaker McCarthy's call, but I feel like uh, we're there now, Sean. I feel like that's imminent, and I believe that uh, that will be a tool in our toolbox when we go to court uh, with our subpoena. Look, we've requested these documents. The House Oversight Committee has legislative jurisdiction over the National Archives. They've stonewalled us in the uh, Biden mishandling of classified documents. Now they're you know, we hope they don't stonewall us in the pseudonym uh, request. Yeah. There's 5,400 emails in at least three seen different them? pseudonyms uh, from Joe them? Biden. Have you seen any of these 5,400? Have you seen any of them? I've seen a few. Yes, are I they, have. And I've they... seen one that had Hunter Biden copied. And that's the most concerning thing. That's where the Democrats have uh, gone stone cold silent in Washington in their defense of Joe Biden. There was an email that was to a pseudonym that uh, that was Joe Biden that had Hunter copied on it. And it was an email about Ukraine policy at the same time that Devin Archer testified that uh, the owners of Burisma were squeezing Hunter to call Washington for help. And that's when Dan Goldman and Jamie Raskin right. says, oh, well, he could have called anybody in Let Washington. Me, and I'm sure they just talked about the weather. That's not true. I want to make sure my timeline's right. You correct me if I'm wrong. October of 2015, it became official after an interagency study. It officially became an Obama administration policy to give the $1 billion in loan guarantees to Ukraine because they made enough progress regarding corruption. Same year, 2015, December 4th, Hunter is in Dubai with Burisma executives asking for exactly what you mentioned, D.C. help. They called Joe Biden in D.C., uh, get him on the phone. Five days later, is in Ukraine leveraging a billion dollars to get a prosecutor fired. Son of a bee, they fire the guy in six hours. And Hunter Biden, as a result, continues to get paid for work by his own admission. He had no qualifications being paid for. Is that correct? Is that timeline right? That, that's 100 percent correct. 
And that's very concerning. And think about this. That's what the first Trump impeachment was about. Donald Trump simply asking Zelensky what he knew about that. That was the quid pro quo. The quid pro quo was Joe Biden withholding American tax dollars to Ukraine uh, in exchange for them firing the prosecutor who was investigating his son, Hunter, for corruption. Last question. Are you investigating bribery and money laundering as it relates to the president of the United States? Yes, that's our investigation. We know that the president's son uh, committed money laundering. Uh, we're investigating whether or not Joe Biden committed money laundering, but we're pretty certain he's committed uh, some pretty serious uh, uh, and nine members of the that Biden I think family. the entire Congress will be concerned about. And nine members of this yep. family got paid through these shell corporations. Uh, you've, you've, you've stated that fact. And we believe now you have evidence right. that Joe Biden benefited financially himself, although that's not even what the statute calls for, correct? I think so, yes. Wow. James Comer, thank you. I'm going to do something I very seldom do. You just heard that Sean Hannity and Comer. There's so many moving parts to this investigation. I want to walk you through chronologically what is going on in investigating, looking back at specifics. Okay, here we go. This is from our investigation here at TNN Live. After then Vice President Biden attended one dinner, one dinner, he was still Vice President back in April of 2015. He had dinner with Hunter and his foreign business associates from Ukraine and Kazakhstan. Business between those two countries all of a sudden started to flourish. At about the time he attended another dinner in spring of 2014, his son received large payments from two of the foreign attendees. The dinners, both the subject of extensive media coverage since 2020, thanks to emails from Hunter's laptop, represents some of the most compelling pieces of evidence to date that suggests Joe Biden was more deeply involved in Hunter's business dealings than he has ever admitted. Recent disclosures have underscored the significance of both of those dinners, adding a bunch of context to the well-known events. Testimony last month from Hunter business partner Devin Archer, for example, contradicted Joe's previous defenses of the meetings. Bank records released earlier this month by the House Oversight Committee show that Hunter got payments from a Russian and a Kazakh oligarch, respectively, in the weeks surrounding the spring 2014 dinner. Oh, by the way, both of those oligarchs were there, as was Hunter and Joe. Emails from Hunter's laptop also suggest that he and his business partners were looking at the time for a high-profile figure to draw foreign investors to events that they could use to pitch their investment opportunities. Who was the draw for those dinners? Vice President Joe Biden. Ahead of the first one of the dinners, which came in the spring of 2014, Hunter and his business partners talked about the prospect of convening wealthy oligarchs from around the world for gatherings in order to form a lucrative, quote, global cooperation group. They even gave it a name. A 
potential guest list floated in March of 2014, including Kenis Rakashev, a Kazakh oligarch with whom Burisma, that Ukrainian energy company, the board of which Archer and Hunter would go to join, wanted to do business. Rakashev eventually attended the first dinner then Vice President Biden was at, where a widely circulated, undated picture of Joe Biden standing next to Rakashev is likely to have been taken. It's not clear when, in spring 2014, the dinner with Hunter Farns business partners and Joe, when it happened. Archer told the House Oversight Committee the dinner took place the spring of 2014, but he didn't give a date. But it was clear at the time that Hunter and his partners were working to pull together their wealthy foreign associates. Why? What for? To create investment opportunities and that they thought the attendance of someone like Joe would help their cause. In March 2014, Devin Archer told the group they should find some type of hook for the events to draw wealthy foreigners to the gatherings, like an appearance from the political, literary, or entertainment side. Hmm, who would probably be the easiest one of those people to get there? What about the vice president? In April 2014, Hunter pushed Archer to move ahead on putting together that group that we keep talking about. That's a quote. He again floated the idea of bringing Rakashev to the gathering. Earlier this month, the House Oversight Committee published bank records that show that Rakashev sent Hunter a $142,300 payment for a Porsche. On April 22, 2014, the same day Joe appeared alongside Ukrainian leaders in Kiev. Much of what we saw in the press of Joe Biden's appearance that day focused on his calls for Ukraine to eliminate the cancer of corruption during remarks to the Rada. But probably more significantly, Joe also advocated that same day for the expansion of the Ukrainian energy sector, telling Ukrainian lawmakers, and this is a quote, imagine where you'd be today if you were able to tell Russia, keep your gas. It would be very different world that you're facing today. It's within our power to alter that. Yeah, he had a little uh, personal purpose for pushing for that, didn't he? Hunter and Archer appeared to recognize immediately the significance of Joe's comments would have to their other business partners at Burisma. Archer wrote to Hunter that evening in response to Hunter's mention of the comments that, quote, we need to make sure this ragtag temporary government in Ukraine understands the value of Burisma to its very existence. Hunter was in the process of formalizing his board position with Burisma at that time, but his affiliation with the company wasn't yet public in April 2014 when his dad made comments boosting Burisma's industry. So by December that year, 2014, months after the first dinner that Joe went to, Burisma and Kazakh Energy Company, where Rakashev served as a director we're working on a memo of understanding to conduct business together. In other words, 
the type of global cooperation the business partners had talked about, and they wanted to become a reality after the gathering. A guy named Karim Masimo, then the Prime Minister of Kazakhstan, also went to the Spring 2014 dinner, as did Yelena Bacharina, a Russian oligarch, former wife of former mayor of Moscow, who, according to emails, was a primary financial backer of real estate deals that Archer was spearheading at the time. In February 2014, House Oversight Committee Bacharina wired three and a half million bucks into a Archer-controlled account. More than two million of that then flowed into an account that Hunter Biden used. Archer testified to the House Oversight Committee that he was really not sure why Bacharina wired that payment or why Hunter received the majority of it. His lawyer shut down any further questions about Bacharina during the committee's interview, arguing that Archer hadn't agreed to testify about her. Why Joe Biden met with Rakashev, Masimov, Bacharina, and potentially others at Cafe Milano in D.C. during spring of 2014, also unclear. However, the type of international business cooperation that Hunter and Archer sought to generate with their first dinner appeared to continue into the following year. This, my friends, is a timeline. And we put it together. But if we put it together, who else out there has taken the time, effort, and trouble to put it together? Because anybody that does it, that does it, and is credible, and is looking at it objectively, there is only one conclusion you can come to. The reason all these filthy, rich, corrupt foreigners, the only reason they did business with Devin Archer and Hunter Biden was because of one person, Joe Biden, then Vice President Joe Biden. AKA the big guy. Here's the latest traffic report. Looks like miles of trouble-free driving with Napa Auto Parts. Your local Napa Auto Parts dealer in Modesto has a full line of quality parts for your car or truck. Napa Auto Parts keeps America running and Modesto Auto and Truck is ready to keep your vehicle running in tip-top shape for years to come. So if you think your car or truck needs help under the hood, think of Napa Auto Parts at Modesto Auto and Truck Parts, 924 G Street in downtown Modesto. 529-8342. 529-8342. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Deal with the experts. Scaffolding rental and setup. Installation of truck racks, Lear truck caps, tonneau covers, and van shelving. Fall protection. Ladder and scaffold training and inspections. Little giant ladders. Custom access ladders and guardrails for commercial buildings. American Ladders and Scaffolds. Delivery everywhere, every day. American Ladders and Scaffolds. We take you higher. We take you higher. Papa John is not interested in quality. He's obsessed with it. Because Papa John's a pizza maker. It's what he does. That's why you've got Papa's quality guarantee. Signed by the man himself. Love your pizza, or we'll deliver another absolutely free. It's my guarantee. Better ingredients, better pizza. 
Papa John's. And right now, save 25% when you spend 25 pounds or more online. Enrique Santos for Taco Bell. The toasted cheddar chalupa from Taco Bell is back, and I know what you're thinking, because I'm thinking the same thing. Did they really toast six-month-old aged cheddar right onto a delicious flaky chalupa shell again? Yes, they did, but now it's even tastier. It comes with a crunchy taco, cinnamon twist, and a medium drink, all in a $5 box. That's right, all that for just a little cheddar. But don't forget, it's back for a limited time. The $5 Toasted Cheddar Chalupa Box, only at Taco Bell. Too much spin on your plate? How about a diet of truth? The Truth News Network sets your table. And here again to serve it up is Dan Newman. Let's switch gears a bit. Get off of Joe Biden for a minute. Obviously, we can't do a show without concentrating at least in part on the president, his actions that he took when he was vice president, and even after he left the vice presidency. We haven't really gotten into what all happened since then. Now remember, 2016, he was done. So from 2016 to 2020, Joe was doing some stuff, still doing some stuff. But let's talk for a second about the former president, Donald Trump. According to somebody you're going to hear a lot about, Donald Trump is the only man who can end the war in Ukraine and save the Western world from being plunged into World War III. Who said that? Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban, and he was talking to Tucker Carlson. So Tucker was in Budapest. I don't know what the connection is there. Maybe Tucker's got family roots. I don't know, but he has gone to Budapest several different times. So in her interview with Carlson in Budapest, Viktor Orban said his ideal solution to the war in Ukraine, that, by the way, is a nation that borders his own, would be to bring about a peace settlement immediately, but he said this would likely only be possible with Donald Trump back in the White House. Orban, he said this, Trump is the man who can save the Western world, probably all human beings on the globe. And again, this is Orban, the president of Ukraine, prime minister, excuse me, He's talking to Tucker Carlson on his show, formerly known as Twitter. It's now X is where Tucker's Tucker's program is. Call back Trump. That's the only way out. Call back Trump, Orban continued, saying that the best foreign policy of the recent several decades belonged to Donald Trump, noting that the Donald didn't start any new wars. He sought peace deals in the Middle East and that he engaged with Chinese, North Koreans, and the Russians with respect and results. He's criticized, Orban said, because he's not educated enough to understand the world politics. This is not the case. Facts count, and his foreign policy was the best form for the world in the last several decades that I have seen. The Hungarian populist leader went on to say he didn't believe that if Trump had been the president last year, the Russians would have launched their invasion of Ukraine. 
Trump is a man who can save the Western world, probably the human beings in the world as well. In remarks that will be controversial in some Western capitals, the populist leader, Orban, went on during the interview with Carlson to criticize the prevailing strategy of the interventionist neoliberal establishment, saying pushing for Ukraine to join NATO for peace in Europe appeared to be counterproductive. And a lot of leaders in Europe feel that way, just so you know that. Orban, who grew up in Soviet-occupied Hungary, was an anti-communist campaigner back in 1989. He said that fundamentally Western leaders misunderstand the mindset of the Russian people and that it's a fantasy to think the Russian people would turn on Vladimir Putin out of a desire for Western-style freedoms. To understand the Russians is a difficult thing, especially if you have an ocean between you and Russia. When we speak about politics as Westerners, the focus point is freedom, how to provide more and more freedom to the people. When you speak on politics in Russia, this is not the number one issue. The number one issue is how to keep together the country because it's very large. That has generated a different culture and understanding of politics. It's created a kind of military approach, always on security, always on safety, buffer zones, geopolitical approaches. It's not our culture. It's legitimate to have that because it's their history. But we must understand we cannot beat them as we do it now. It's impossible. They will not kill their leader. He's talking about Russians. They will never give up, and they will keep the country together, he continued, saying that no matter how many weapons the West pours into Ukraine, Moscow is not going to surrender. Orban has been one of the lone voices in Europe to consistently call for peace negotiations to end the war in Ukraine. He said he felt that it, it's a lie being propagated in the West that Ukraine can somehow win the war against Russia, a country with nearly four times as many people. When asked by Tucker if it was true that Ukraine is winning the war, some in the West would claim, the prime minister said, it's a lie. It's not just a misunderstanding. It's a lie. It is impossible. The poor Ukrainians die every day, hundreds and thousands. My heart is with them. It's a tragedy for Ukraine. But they're going to run out soldiers earlier than the Russians. What finally will count is boots on the ground, and the Russians are far stronger, far more numerous. These comments on the futility of the Western proxy war against Russia, that happens as, guess what, Joe Biden has done. He announced another $250 million military aid package to Ukraine, mostly to be comprised of American weapons stockpiles. So far, we have committed over $113 billion dollars to Ukraine since the invasion last year. That's a lot of jack, jack. A whole lot of jack. So, you want a little history, a little more history about what's going on over there about this matter? Tucker, when he went back to Hungary this week, where he interviewed 
Victor Orban. You just heard about that. The question came up. Why is the United States determined to punish one small European democracy when it lets some of the world's worst dictators off the hook? Now, what are we talking about this week? Hungary. It began with Hungary's approach to illegal immigration and asylum during the Syrian civil war back in 2015. Remember, we heard all these stories. We talked about them here. As millions left the region, they ran. The European Union pushed a near unlimited acceptance of refugee claims. Hungary was one of only three member countries that said no. I bet you didn't remember this. The democratically elected Orban government imposed strict immigration policies, and they did that in defiance of the European Union and erected a now infamous border wall. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. (laughs) Hungary has a border wall? Yeah. To the consternation of the rest of the progressive West, their border wall just happened to work. Later in that interview, Orban said it's not a human right to migrate to Hungary. No way, he continued. It's our land. It's a nation, a community, family, history, tradition, language. Orban, by the way, is also a staunch defender of traditional family values. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. The administration has incentivized family formation through a number of financial incentives, but it also uses state power to engage in the culture war that plagues the EU just as much as it does over on this side of the pond. Orban has had an ongoing dispute with the European Union for years over the legal restrictions to protect children from LGBTQ propaganda. After Brussels took action to withhold funding, Orban hit back. The future of our children is at stake, so we can't cede ground in this issue, he said. Hungarian laws do not permit sexual propaganda in kindergartens, schools, on television, or in advertisements. Yet despite all of the media vitriol, it is not illegal to be gay in Hungary. The EU has long been committed to delegitimizing Orban's Hungary as an autocracy that routinely violates its citizens' human rights, an enemy of freedom. While legal rows with the EU are nothing new, it's notable the extent to which the Biden administration has now got right into the action. Go figure. We're going to wage the culture wars. We're going to forget about, oh, you know, real wars like guns and bombs, all those kind of things. We're going to wage the culture wars because I'm Joe Biden. Since 2022, the Biden administration has ramped up the pressure on Hungary like we have any reason or right to do that. The Treasury Department terminated a tax treaty that was meant to facilitate commerce. Without an American citizens and companies face double taxation on their business in the country. 
Earlier this year, USAID launched a dystopian rule of law program to pressure sustainable, inclusive, and equitable development abroad. What the heck does that mean? The USAID administrator, former Obama shill Samantha Powers, made clear the money was not going to third world hell holes, but to agitate civic engagement in Hungary. So now we're doing so good over here. Everything is so wonderful. We've got Joe Biden in the White House. And his Bidenomics has made everything better for everybody over here. We've got to take that to Hungary. It's unsurprising that the openly gay American ambassador to Hungary apparently feels it's his job to disparage his host country. Hungary's audit office also revealed that left-wing opposition parties received millions in illegal foreign funding in the last election, including from some American NGOs, non-governmental organizations. Now, we did find out, you know we did find out that a bunch of our NGOs over here, they're actually just paper targets, paper lions for our government to give money to. And then the NGO gives the money to people and causes that our government, what government is that? Joe Biden doesn't like. And so they want to attack them using taxpayer money. The latest affront comes with the administration blacklisting Hungary from the U.S. visa waiver program earlier this month, which allows citizens of EU countries visa-free entry for up to 90 days. The appeal to national security is belied by the completely open southern border. (laughs) Who are we to teach somebody or encourage somebody to enforce their own borders when Joe Biden is like, Hey, we took the doors down. We don't even have doors at the border. Y'all just come on in. This is targeted American aggression by diplomatic and economic means against its own ally. Culture, sexual orientation, far more important than things like, you know, eating, having energy, reasonably priced energy, those things that people live and die for. But Joe Biden, he's the god of culture wars. Today's liberals' ideological solidarity stands much stronger than any traditional loyalties. Hungary may be a U.S. ally on paper, but for the permanent ruling class in D.C. and Brussels, where the EU is headquartered, United in their ideological zeal, Orban's government is a hostile enemy. The West regularly overlooks some of the world's most aggressive and powerful dictators. But unlike Orban, they don't claim to champion democracy. Hungary could never be a threat to the combined might of the U.S. and Western Europe. But... It does pose a bit of a deep threat to the ruling ideology. To the West, liberalism and democracy 
are virtually indistinguishable. The two can't be separated in a free society. They're supposed to work together. They truly believe that secure borders and education free from gender indoctrination is hateful and backwards. Democracy intrinsically means an ever-expanding set of universal rights and endless push towards deeper equality to protect perpetually slighted groups. Anybody who doesn't want such a system by default must wish to dominate others. Anything besides liberal democracy must inevitably lead to tyranny. Hungary shows this is absolute BS. A proud defender of illiberal democracy, Orban's government shows that a democracy can work outside of the liberal mold and not devolved into a fascist hellscape. You know, the one that Joe Biden's trying to create right now, along with his old boss, Barack Obama. Hungary balances majority and minority rights without oppressing one or the other. Isn't that what's supposed to happen? It protects the nation without expansion and conquest. Isn't that what's supposed to happen? It delivers on helping individuals achieve what they need most to find meaning in life, marriage and family. Isn't that the way life's supposed to happen? It shows that a society can find value and purpose just by looking inwards to what its own culture has to offer rather than rejecting its history for some new unseen but hoped for utopia. The left cannot allow a counterexample to the narratives that liberal democracy is the only option for a, oh, I don't know, stable, prosperous, moral society. One country standing up is enough to show that there's an alternative to liberal hegemony. Hungary undermines the legitimacy of the entire modern liberal project, which is why they are determined to destroy it first. Golly, I bet you didn't know there's another country over there in the middle part of Europe, deep, deep in the middle of all the political chaos and crud, and their leader is a true democracy supporter in every sense of the word and believes in power to the people, power of the people, and power by the people, as opposed to what? Joe Biden's America. We hear it every day. Oh, we need to do this. We need to do that. Well, why do you feel that way, Mr. President? I'm Joe Biden. No doubt you've heard about this subliminal seduction nonsense. You know, commercials that are supposed to have hidden messages in them. Well, Baron Saloon denies any use of this so-called mind control. After all, Baron's is seductive enough as it is. Get in your car and come right now. 
right now. What with a 16-page dinner menu crammed with delectable items... You're starting to salivate. 30 dinner items under $5... Cheap out, say Big Bob. And a happy hour that lasts from 4 till 8 p.m. Obviously, Barron's has that rare combination of good food. Take out your wallet. Good fun. Give us your money. And good prices. Give us your cash. So let's put this subliminal seduction nonsense to rest. Nobody can do your thinking for you. Come to Barron's. You either want to come to Barron's. You do, you do. Or you don't. But boy, oh boy, you do, you do. Barron's. Airport and South Academy. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. What? Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, that went in my eyes. Quit moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA, love your home. Out for some lays and you face a test. Which tasty chip will be the best? Sour cream and onion, smoky barbecue. Cheddar, sour cream, salt and vinegar too. You sample them all cause the crisp is so good on your left your wallet at home but now you have a new best friend the many flavors of lace chips one taste and you're in love you're not going to believe this during the break i got a text and i i do i get a lot of texts especially during the show people asking questions or making comments. And I want to, I want to be very upfront with you and tell you, I don't answer them. And the reason I don't answer them is because I don't want to. That's not the reason. It's not that I don't want to answer. You just can't do it while the live show's going on. But I got three texts in a matter of about 30 or 45 seconds, somebody, and they didn't say who it was, but somebody has been listening to us today on another show somewhere. I don't know which show. Maybe there's more than one, but I'm getting blasted right now for the positive statements that I made about Hungary as a real democracy where there's real leaders that believe democracy means government of the people, by the people, and for the people, like the United States is supposed to be and like the United States used to be. And I'm getting blasted for that. The left have actually made it normal to say that if you're a real democratic person, somebody that believes in the rule of law, that believes right down the middle everything that our government, representatives in our government that are elected, our U.S. Senate and our U.S. House of Representatives, And then they craft these rules and laws. They go to a president's desk and constitutionally are signed into laws. They should all be enforced. And somebody's out there blasting me for feeling that way. That should scare the bejesus out of all of us, that there are people that actually have microphones, maybe on television cameras, I don't know, 
that actually feel that way and they're justified in talking about it and diminishing somebody that is exactly what democracy is all about. It's almost like Donald Trump. I hear these news people almost daily complain, saying Donald Trump wants to be a tyrant, a dictator, when everything in his government, in his campaign, everything, both campaigns for president, was about giving power back to the people. And that's exactly the way I feel. And President, Prime Minister, whatever his title is in Hungary, Orban, he feels the exact same way. Are we living in a nation where all of a sudden the rule of law is diminished and demeaned and want to be done with? In many local areas, places like L.A., Chicago, Philadelphia, Baltimore, even in Manhattan, the rule of law, oh, it's arbitrary now. We'll enforce it on those people that we deem we should but we're not going to just abide by the laws that the elected people in government have passed. We're not going to do that anymore. We're the law folks. We're the ones that make those decisions, not the people. Yet that's okay. But when somebody runs for president and his number one commitment is for the structure of the Constitution to be closely adhered to, from the top to the bottom of everybody in government in this nation, and that person's evil for feeling that way, giving power, total power to the people, it's almost like rolling back Roe v. Wade. There was nothing in the Constitution ever, it's nowhere, that guarantees a woman a right to abort a baby. It's never been there. How in the heck? Roe v. Wade was ever put together and accepted as being part of the Constitution is beyond understanding. And this Supreme Court, the conservative element, they said, it's not there. And so what did they tell us? What was the purpose for what they did? If you listen to the left, oh, they don't care about women's bodies. They're taking away women's health care. Killing a baby is health care? Come on now. If something is in the law that is passed passed according to the United States Constitution lawmaking process, if it's there, it should be enforced. It's supposed to be enforced. But nobody has any unilateral authority to just arbitrarily say, nope, we're not going to do it. And we're going to change that. So what did the Supreme Court do? They didn't outlaw abortion. And there are people on MSNBC, CNN today that are having that conversation. They took abortion away from women. No, they didn't. They put it back where it originally was and where it should be. For states, the people state by state to make that determination. Now, Could it possibly be that Roe v. Wade or some law like Roe v. Wade would be passed at the federal level? Absolutely. And if the people's representatives do that 
and whoever's in the White House signs that bill into law, guess what? It should be enforced. That's what the Constitution was structured for. What these hardcore leftists in media are talking about today is exactly the way government was being handled in Europe when our forefathers left to get away from that crap and put a government together that wasn't run by a small group of enlightened people that know more than the commoners, more than the everyday regular people, and therefore they should be the ones controlling everything in law and law enforcement. That's what these people want to happen. I can see exactly how very close it is to get to the bottom of the slope that this would push us down. Can you imagine having these media fights, P-H-Y-T-E-S, media fights, the so-called experts calling all the shots? They're idiots in most cases. Why? Because they don't believe in the tenets of representative public. They don't believe it. They say they do, but then they turn to somebody like Donald Trump or any Ron DeSantis, any one of these Republicans running for office. Oh, they're any Democratic. No, they're not. They're exactly Democratic, representative Republic Democratic. That's their philosophy, and it's based on the rule of law. All this crap that we're dealing with about Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, millions, tens of millions of dollars. That's probably close to a billion dollars. If you throw in the crypto grift that happened when FTX went busted, he was the number two, the number, Sam Bankman Fried was the number two supporter of all Democrat candidates in the 2020 election. Did you know that? He gave all that money out of FTX. It wasn't his. He gave it away. Dunstan Teo, the kingpin, probably the person on planet Earth that knows more about cryptocurrency than anyone else, came on this show four times. He'll be coming back. He's a good friend of mine. And he talked about knowingly evidentiary that a bunch of the first money that the United States sent to Ukraine for their war effort, it was all sent in crypto. And the reason and the excuse for doing that was because their financial system over there is not safe. Banks were failing. They were in a wartime period. How do we get the money? How do we get, well, put it in crypto. We'll get it transferred into accounts and y'all can use it. More than half of that got pilfered away and went to people in the United States. The Clinton Foundation was a recipient. The Obama Foundation were recipients. That's not me talking. And there's evidence that shows that. Will anything ever come of that? Of course not. I mean, after all, this is the United States of America where if you are a member of the Democrat Party in leadership... It doesn't matter what the law says. It doesn't matter what the people say. You're in power. You're going to do whatever the heck you want to do, and nobody's going to say anything about it.
So why don't we get back here? We've got uh, 20, 24 minutes left in the show. Let's get back on Hunter Biden for just a bit. Andy Biggs. Andy Biggs, you don't hear a lot from him, but he is a really good, hard-nosed researcher. And when he digs in on something, he's going to find some facts. Listen to this. Now, behind me is an email from 2016 during the Obama-Biden administration between Hunter Biden and Miguel Aleman, the son of a Mexican billionaire and grandson of the former Mexican president. The email begins, quote, we are arriving late tonight on Air Force Two to Mexico City. We will be there for Thursday. I'm attending a meeting with President Nieto with Dad. The highlighted sections here are significant. Quote, we have been talking about business deals and partnerships for seven years. I've brought every single person you've ever asked me to bring to the effing White House and the Vice President's House and the inauguration. I've delivered on every single thing you've ever asked. In this email, Hunter Biden acknowledges his attendance at a meeting between Mexican President Nieto and then Vice President Biden. He discusses business deals and partnerships with a wealth and wealthy and politically connected Mexican family and re- references access provided to Mexican businessmen at the White House and the Vice President's residence and states he had already delivered on every single thing you've ever asked. And we also have a picture of Vice President Biden, Hunter Biden, Miguel Aleman, his father, and Carlos Slim, one of the richest men in the world in 2015 while Joe Biden was president. And this is what we're asked to believe that that then Vice President and current President Joe Biden has no idea what's going on in Hunter's businesses and whether Hunter might be compromised by America's adversaries across the world. Just a few months ago, I showed these images to Matthew Olson, who's the current assistant AG for the Department of Justice's National Security Division. His division is responsible for administering FARA, which requires individuals representing foreign principals to register with DOJ. And I asked him about this. He refused to answer whether these images raised any concerns that Hunter Biden may have violated, violated FARA. He also refused to comment on concerns raised by FBI whistleblowers who reported that the FBI had committed a widespread effort within the FBI to downplay or discredit negative information about Hunter Biden. Well, for years, members of Congress have also sought access to suspicious activity reports filed by banks to Department of Treasury. And when it was revealed the Biden family had generated at least 150 of these reports, the policy of allowing congressional access to them was suddenly changed by this administration. Problems have gotten so bad that House Financial Services Committee Chairwoman Maxine Waters authored legislation to reverse the Biden administration's policy change, and that passed the House earlier this year. President Biden told the American people that he never discussed his family's business abroad with them. Now, that was a lie. President Biden not only discussed his family's international business, he participated in it. His emails show it was a lie. We were told in 2020 that when Hunter Biden's laptop, which contains, as now been revealed, a massive treasure trove of evidence of Hunter Biden's uh, international business deals and also recently reported, as recently within the last 10 days, that a second laptop has been uh, found. We were told that that was Russian disinformation by the same people who are sitting across the dais from us today, telling us that we should not even uh, probe this. We should not even look for this. We should not even ask for this. Um, The reality is this was not Russian disinformation. Even the Washington Post and even the New York Times nearly a year after uh, that laptop being discovered, have admitted it and authorized, 
excuse me, acknowledged the veracity of the information on those laptops. That gives us further impetus to go forward here because as the, as the ranking member has repeatedly said, we need to know what's going on because a SARS report is something very serious and it indicates potential um, um, compromising of the highest office in the land. The reversal of longstanding Treasury Department policy raises serious questions about the motives behind the change and specifically whether it's being designed to protect Hunter Biden. We should get those and go forward, which is why I'm going to vote yes. And now, Madam Chair, I can either read every one of these, um, but I would like to submit for the record more than 100 articles, everything from the Washington Times to the UK Mail to the New York Times and the Washington Post um, about the Hunter Biden story and everything related here. I'm happy to read the, the title off each and every one. So, so ordered, without objection. And you don't want me to read them? <laughs> okay. Thank you, Madam Chair. I'll yield back. Representative Clyde, you are now recognized. I don't think we need to go listen to Representative Clyde. I wanted you to hear, this is the kind of thing, what you just heard from Andy Biggs. This is the kind of thing that gets glossed over. If it's not a real big committee hearing, you know, where you've got a lot of media focus, a lot of people in the room, very contentious things. Much of it gets lost in the fray. Much of the content. If you heard and really listened to 20% of what Andy Biggs said, it would confirm in your heart, in your mind, there is no way Hunter and Joe Biden are not connected. We're not and are not connected. There's no way... That's even a remote possibility. And that this entire thing was built, manufactured, created to enrich Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, and other members of the Biden family. There's no other possible suggestion of there being anything else that these things could be associated with. We're talking about a sitting president of the United States for eight years when he was a sitting vice president. Before that, for 50 years, a United States senator in the highest seats of power in our nation. And they stole money. Illegally took money and laughed about it, bragged about it. And don't even try to hide the fruits of what they did. The most Joe Biden made before he became vice president was $175,000 a year as a U.S. senator. It was less than that and got up to that, I think, while he was late in his senatorial career. You throw in some fees, uh, some speaking engagement fees or whatever. And none of that comes up to millions of dollars of income. Now, he wrote a book, he got an advance, the book sucked, but he got an advance, and the reason he got the advance was who he is, and it was a publishing company paying him off for whatever. That happens to everybody. You don't have to be a Democrat. Happens to Republicans as well. If you've got a high position in government, you're going to get that opportunity. 
But even with that, you don't get into the millions of dollars that are necessary to live the lifestyle that Joe Biden was living after he became vice president and subsequently to that. Where did all that come from? How did they get it? Here's what blows my mind. That's where, if I was investigating, I would start. I would start with the four mansions that they own. The ownership of that, the process of purchasing that, who did it, how it was financed, if it was, that's all public record. If I was Jim Comer of the House Oversight Committee, I'd be all over that at the very beginning. I would know where that money came from. And there are other ways to investigate things. And it doesn't take a high-dollar private investigative company to get those things. Let me tell you what I can do legally. My company that I own, not affiliated with this, TNN Live, we have a legal system of investigating to find out where people live, all the details about them, their real names, if they have pseudonames, like Joe Biden and his email addresses, where they have lived, the whole breakdown of their lives, business, banking, debt, loans, assets, the whole nine yards. I can get that legally in less than an hour. And if I can do that in my company, doing it legally, don't you think the members of leadership in the U.S. Congress could do the same thing? And then some credible, educated questions can be asked of those offenders. Like, where did this money come from? That should be the beginning of it, the start of it. If we had ever started there, we wouldn't be years into this. And this is the thing that most Americans get the most upset about. The wealthy perpetrators of grift in government, they always seem to get off scot-free. It's like David Weiss, that Delaware prosecutor. He was investigating IRS fraud on Hunter Biden. And it was open and shut. There was no question. Hunter got paid millions of dollars. He didn't pay any taxes on it. And that was fraud, which means jail time. It was on several millions of dollars of income. And so what did David Weiss do? Good friend to Bo Biden, Hunter's brother, older brother that died of brain cancer, was the attorney general of the state of Delaware. David Weiss and him were really good friends, very close. So what did David Weiss do? That federal prosecutor, he let the statute of limitations run out, and so Hunter Biden can't be prosecuted for fraud, for income tax fraud. That's the kind of stuff that makes everyday Americans, I'm going to say it, and Bunny, if you're listening, it's going to offend you, but that is what pisses off everyday Americans. It's just not right. In fact, it's wrong. And unless 
and until we the people demand accountability for everybody top to bottom, even presidents, their sons, their family members, his little brother, Jim, all of them, everybody in it, they are held accountable the same way you and I are. Every day, blue-collar, white-collar, filthy rich Americans that abide by the laws, the same rules that we live by, they've got to be forced to live by the same rules in the same way. Unless and until we get to that, my friends, this guy who's president is the antithesis to democracy, not Donald Trump. Hi, Tom Bodette. Of all the things invented in 1962, some have faded away, like cassette tapes, and others are still very much with us, like lava lamps and Motel 6. Yep, Motel 6 is celebrating 50 years of giving travelers a good night's rest and saving you more for what you travel for. But we're just getting started. In fact, the longer you watch us, the better we get. Kind of like a lava lamp. Trippy. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6. 50 years and the light's still on. Our next Starbucks customer is Ron. Hello. Strictly espresso, in and out, except during the Christmas season. Uh, I have a list. When he turns into uh, Santa. A venti, iced white mocha, triple shot. He's getting stickers for the new Starbucks Philippines uh, planner. Grande toffee nut latte. It's made by Moleskine? Wow, right? Venti, green tea, cream, frappuccino. Hey, uh, you got all the stickers. No, no, it's for my wife. I, I understand. The 2016 Starbucks Philippines Planner by Moleskine. Promo runs November 2 to January 7, 2016. For DTI FTEB SBD permit number 10616, series of 2015. Nowadays, it's more important than ever to know the value of a dollar, or three, or four, or five, or even six. New Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. Tasty breakfast combos that give you more bang for your bucks. Get a wake-up wrap with sausage and a medium-hot coffee for $3. A bacon with cream cheese spread and a medium-hot coffee for $4. A bacon, egg, and cheese croissant with a medium-hot coffee for $5. Or a power breakfast sandwich and, you guessed it, a medium-hot coffee for $6. Dunkin' Go-To's, now with brews. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Exclusion supply, limited time offer. 10 to the 10 to the 10 to the 10 10 to the 10 to the 10 to the 10 10 10 10 Planet Fitness, through the use of motivating montage music, has made it easy to join. Just remember 10 10 10. For 10 days, sign up for $10 and pay just 10 bucks a month after that. Hurry, you only have until November 10th to take advantage of this Planet Fitness offer. Planet Fitness on 42nd Street next to Shopco. Don't ever miss a story or podcast. Get an email link to every new story and podcast by entering your email address on the homepage of truthnewsnet.org. If it's relevant, you'll get it here. Meanwhile, back in Washington, D.C., We've got everything surrounded. Everything's taken care of. Our economy is, it's bullseye on everything this government does from top to bottom. White House, Senate, House of Representatives, we all know that. (laughs) Do you believe, do you really believe that? Listen to what Joe got caught doing yesterday. You're going to love this. During an interview with the Pod Save America podcast that took place uh, Tuesday, that was two days ago, White House Council of Economic Advisors member Heather Bushy responded to Joe Biden acknowledging that, now this is Joe, he acknowledged 
that the Inflation Reduction Act, and I'm going to quote the president, has less to do with reducing inflation than it does to do with dealing with providing for alternatives that generate economic growth. Okay, I'm going to repeat that. Joe called it the Inflation Reduction Act, right? But he says it has less to do with reducing inflation than it does to do with dealing with providing for alternatives that generate economic growth. And he said it's misnamed by stating that, quote, it is definitely about green investment. It is also about reducing prices. And Biden is very right to focus on the green provisions in the act, but those will reduce prices. They don't reduce prices. Nothing Joe Biden has done reduces prices. In fact, the exact opposite is true across the board. Go buy today a loaf of 45-calorie wheat bread, the same one that I've been buying for years, and I paid two and a quarter. I paid $5.59 for that loaf of bread at the same store two days ago. Prices going down? Green investment bringing prices down? There is no place on earth that you can say any Biden administration policy has reduced the price of anything. 740, 740 million, no, billion dollars, the Inflation Reduction Act. Do these people breathe the same air that we breathe? I don't think they do. I don't think they do. I can't end this show on a down note. I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. And so I'm going to end on an up note. As you probably know around the nation, there are 12 states that have voted into their public education system. School choice. What is school choice? School choice is a system where parents that have kids when they are looking for the school their kids are going to go to, the money, the tax money that those parents pay that is supposed to go to public school, the cost of that, and the state takes care of all that, these parents are getting access to that money so that they can choose where their kids are going to school. Now, doesn't that make common sense? Instead of letting the unionized and the unions that they take all that money, all the teachers around the nation and those big teachers unions, they pay those dues. And those union executives, what they do, they all make a buttload full of money, but they make all these contributions to these far-left Democrats that are just self-perpetuating. Jesse Waters weighed in about this school choice stuff. I mean, it's never going to get eliminated. Republicans have tried to eliminate government for decades, and it just grows. 
So, but the Democrats just keep on throwing money at schools and expecting results. And if that were true, then we'd all be matriculating little Einsteins, and that's not happening either. The Democrats use the education system as a money laundering opportunity for donations, as a vote harvesting opportunity during elections, and as a brainwashing laboratory yeah, for a new generation. And they try to trap the students in these laboratories, and then they don't want to talk about it. Republicans are actually talking about academic achievement, and we have never talked about that as, in this detail before, but Vivek had it right. It, the parents have to get involved. You can't just expect to send your kid to public school and all of a sudden he's going to, like, you know, ace his LSATs. You have to be engaged as a parent. Cook the kid eggs in the morning. Hey, in Louisiana, we did a little research a couple of years ago. Per student, the Louisiana School Board Association spends $12,000 per student in public schools per year. Uh, why don't you give the parents of those kids the choice to either stay in public schools or take that 12000 maybe not even twelve, just 10 take 10 of it, keep two in the system, but give them a voucher. That's good for $10,000 per student. And they go put their kids in whatever school they feel is the best place for their kids to get educated. Doesn't that make sense? It makes a whole lot more sense than what results we're getting now, which is really crappy results in most places out of public schools. Wow. Mike Stevens said I'm on fire today. Got a lot on my mind. Hope you uh, you got you got a lot of information today. Thanks for being here. I look forward to sharing Friday with you tomorrow. Have a great one. We'll see you then.